0: Welcome to Golf Better at Edwin Watts Golf, Episode 153. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Bursell. Thanks so much for joining us. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a longtime subscriber or somewhere in the middle, either way, we're just glad you found us. And uh, this is a very special episode today. Recently, the world of golf lost a very, very special man, Mr. Ken Venturi, passed away at the age of 82 and leaves us a void that will be really unable to fill by anybody. Mr. Venturi was an incredible player whose life was filled with challenges that he consistently overcame. As a child, his mother was told by a teacher that her son will never be able to speak. He's an incurable stammerer, the teacher told Mrs. Venturi. Ken said, my mother asked me what I plan to do. I said, I'm taking up the loneliest sport I know. He picked up a set of Hickory Shaft golf clubs across the street from a man and went over to Harding Park and played his first round of golf. Carpal tunnel syndrome ended his playing career early, but CBS asked him to come along and be a golf analyst. And now, this man who had that quote, incurable stammering problem as a child became the longest lead color announcer in any television sport 35 years. And not to be forgotten, he was an incredible golf instructor as well. Just uh, get on the internet, dive into the book, The Venturi Analysis. You'll get a feel for how he breaks down the golf swing of some of the greatest players back in the 70s and 80s when that book was written. Back in June of 2011, Kerry Cabase and I were fortunate enough to be able to have Mr. Venturi on our podcast leading up to the U.S. Open at Congressional, where he won back in 1964. As our special tribute to this great man, We bring you this encore presentation of our time spent with Mr. Ken Venturi that day. We hope you'll enjoy it. We have a very, very special guest with us today, a man who really needs no introduction, Well, we're going to do it anyway. I mean, you may know him as the man who's brought golf into your living room with CBS for over 35 years. Or you may know him as a fantastic instructor and student of the game. Or you might know him as the man who won 15 PGA Tour wins, uh, the 64 Open, 1964 Tour Player of the Year, and Sportsman of the Year. However you know him, he's with us here today, Mr. Ken Venturi. Mr. Venturi, it would be an understatement to say it's an honor to have you with us. Thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's nice of you to call, and I appreciate it very much. Well, this is,
0: a, this is a big year. A couple things happening. First and foremost, belated happy birthday to you. Happy
1: 80th. I don't know where all the time has gone. I don't know. Uh, I keep thinking about how, when I think back of when I was caddying as a young man, As if you were 80, man, you shouldn't be around too much longer. <laughs>
0: Shooting your age comes regularly
1: now. Boy, that's easy now.
0: Uh, and secondly, this year, the Open returns to uh, a place that's special to you, Congressional. And I'm sure you've gone down memory lane a lot so far this year. But we're going to go down there again, if, if that's okay. Is that all right with you? That's fine with me. Before we get to Congressional, I think a lot of our younger listeners n- might not know about all what you went through early in your career. I mean, the uh, the great amateur career. You were a student of Byron Nelson. Uh, the the tour wins, the success and then the auto accident and what you had to, to fight back to get to where you were. Can you touch a little bit on that before we get into uh, that week at the Open?
1: Well, I started, uh, I turned pro in uh, 1956, November, where we had to wait six months before you could take money, so I went on tour in 57. And uh, I was uh, five years in there where uh, I was favored or co favored in every tournament I played. And, uh, And late in uh, 61, I was a passenger in a car, and we were hit broadsided, and and I didn't break anything, but I just tore my whole body up, and I went through two years of a a slump like you couldn't believe. And so coming out of that, and when I went back, I started back to do it when I started feeling better, and I took out my notes from Byron Nelson, and I went through all those notes and went on and started working my way out of there, and so it was a long haul, but It's something that had to be done.
0: There was a quote that your father said about quitting that stuck with you. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, my father had such great, uh, great sense. I don't know where he found them, but where he got them. But when I was going bad and and, uh, I thought of quitting, he said, that's the only talent in the world that takes no talent. He says anybody can quit. You're working your way
0: up to the Open. You had to qualify for the Open. You had to go through the qualifying stage, and you get there. And I don't think people can really realize how hot it was that week at Congressional. Temperatures in the hundreds, humidity in the 90s. And I think I read somewhere that you didn't play a practice round longer than nine holes that week. Is that true?
1: No, that's true. I, I, uh, I was only one of two people that had uh, that qualified for the Open had to qualify twice. Orville Moody was the other one, but it was so hot, and I only played nine holes on Tuesday and and Wednesday with Paul Harney, and that's. Uh, but but the, but you think about how fate, that the luck of the draw and things like that. But we couldn't bring our own caddies, and I had to draw from out of a hat. I had to draw a name out of a hat, and I drew uh, William Ward, who was the number one caddy at Congressional. And uh, we started out, and that's the last year, they played 36 holes on Saturday. But the heat, the heat in, uh, was well over 100. And, and uh, uh, in fact, when, when I got on the scale when I arrived there, and, and uh, after I got through that 36 holes and got dressed and got back on the scale, I lost eight pounds.
0: Let's talk about that last day because it was, I've only remembered two times that I can remember in my life where I thought a golfer's life was in jeopardy. One was Hubert Green back in 77 at Southern Hills with a death threat, but you, you, you were told you were putting your life in, in danger after the first round, correct?
1: Dr. Everett, I, I I tell you the story here. I'm only telling the story because he told to me. I do not remember it at all. But I'd gone through this slump and and, and I uh, uh, I bogeyed the last two holes in the morning to shoot 66, and I started shaking. I was just it's getting bad. And when I got in the locker room, I was laying down on the floor, and and uh, Dr. Everett was attending to me, and and uh, he told me that. He said to me, he said, I recommend you don't go out. It could be fatal. And he said, I looked up at him. I said, it's better than the way I've been living. And I got off the floor. And I, to this day, I don't remember walking to the first tee.
0: Yeah, Raymond Floyd made the, made the comment. I think you were you were running on fumes. He goes, if you asked him his name, he, he couldn't tell you.
1: No. <laughs> he was great. He was a 21-year-old kid. And I'll tell you what, it was uh, the thing about it, to tell you how much concentration and what it was, when I handed him his card after we finished the second round, there was no numbers on it. He had to fill it in, and and uh, I didn't. I had no idea what he shot.
0: Talk about during the round. Obviously, you look at the tour today, and all the players have bottled waters in their bags, and Power Aids, and Gatorades. There was there was really none of that. You had Doctor Everett walking by your side. I think he, did you have some cold towels and a little bit of water, and that was about it, right? Salt tablets.
1: Well, the. That's the thing now that they that they've said could have been fatal. I had uh, 16 salt tablets, which today they would say that was that that would have killed you alone. And but uh, he walked with me, and then the officials was uh, hoard hard, and Joe Dye, And when I got through, uh, I couldn't I couldn't even sign my card. I couldn't you know I was afraid to sign it because it was there and, and everything. And Joe Die put his hand on my shoulder and said, "Sign it, Ken. It's correct." and I looked up and it was Joe Dye, and that's how I. I signed the uh, I signed the card.
0: Well you tapped in on eighteen to shoot seventy. Raymond Floyd picks your ball up out of the hole and you made that you said that phrase that lasted for a lifetime, at least in my mind. You remember it?
1: Oh I do. I went away, knocked it in the hole. And the thing why I did that, if the 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 putt I pushed it a little bit and it wasn't supposed to go left. And and uh, Got about a foot and a half from the hole and broke left into the hole. And that, it, 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 if that had missed or anything like that, I wouldn't have done the same thing. But I dropped my putter and raised my hands in the air and said, "My God, I won the open."
0: And Raymond Floyd, a 21-year-old, I heard he made eye contact with you and he was—the tears were coming.
1: Well, he picked the ball out of the hole and and uh, I couldn't bend over and he put it in my hand and I looked up, and there was a 21-year-old boy with tears in his eyes, and that's when I lost it, too.
0: And like you said, the last time 36 holes was played in the final round.
1: That's right. I just went back there. I, I was back there in May, and I did some things for Congressional. I'm staying there. I'm staying there during the Open, and I went back. I did a couple dinners, and I... And then we rode around and did a a, a tape, a documentary type of of the course where the changes are and and what it is. When I won the Open, it was uh, uh, it was a. Uh, longest par 70 in the history of the opening is 7,050 yards par 70 and this year it is playing par 71. They made the sixth hole of par 5. They've changed the hole and they've lengthened the golf course and they said now they can lengthen that that they won't play it any longer than 7,350 yards which is only 300 yards longer than when I played it and and where these guys can hit it today, that's nothing. <laughs> well the equipment they have
0: nowadays, Mr. Venturi, you're right. It's uh, such a different game. So think about what you were playing with back there, playing a 7,000-yard golf course. Your golf balls were so much better the drivers. That's incredible.
1: Well, if you want to think of, of stats compared to where they can drive it today, when I played the Open, which was 47 years ago, I was number one in driving accuracy. And I was 16th in overall driving lane. 16, not too bad. That's pretty good 249 stands. yards. <laughs> they hit five irons, 249.
0: That's right. Oh, they Oh, uh, That was one for the uh, for the ages and one we'll be talking about 100 years from now. Uh, then you got a chance to move into CBS. Frank Chircanian gave you an offer to come do some work as an analyst. Is that something you thought would stick for as long as it did?
1: Oh, I had no idea. I lost the use of my hands. The thing that uh, Frank Chikinian hired me in 1968, and and I I won my last uh, professional victory at at Harding Park where I had played my first round of golf, and I won the San Francisco Open, and I was going to have my hands operated on again. And he had offered me a job, and Dr. Hoyt, saved my right hand there was there was a a chance i was lose three fingers and and uh cbs offered me a job and i asked dr hoyt i said will i ever be able to play golf again he saw me win the open and saw me win the american golf classic and he said yes ken you'll be able to play again but never to your standards and i quit cold turkey and went with cbs and started there in 68 and was 35 years still the longest running lead analyst in sports and that's amazing one thing and to think that what's more amazing i've been retired from cbs for nine years <laughs> that's hard to believe <laughs> talk about your
0: two partners in the booth over those 35 years
1: well i've started out with uh, pat all and then of course working with jimmy nance i worked with him 17 years and and uh, I miss him most. I think he's the best in the business. And we talk at least once a week all the time. And and uh, I miss being with him. And we had a great time.
0: How about those uh, two characters, McCord and Faraday?
1: Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Faraday is very, one of the most humorous guys you ever wanted to meet. But uh, <laughs> I had a great, great line when I retired. They said, what do you plan to do now that you're retiring? I took a long pause, pause, and I said, I'm going to use my mute button. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's when Chikini was sitting there, when we did it, when we talked, it, it, I asked him when I started, when you know, what should I say? He said, well, if i got to tell you what to say, you're in the wrong business to say You say anything you want. But remember, you're in a business. It's not what you say, it's what you don't say. And... I never talked over the shot, and Jimmy Nance did all the stats, and I talked about only the player and the shot, what's happening before he struck the ball.
0: Well, that's some great advice for announcers around the country, announcer wannabes. You, you did it for so many years, and you, and you saw so many finishes and stories. Let me throw a couple at you, and you tell us the first thing that comes to mind on each of these. Um, 1995, Ben Crenshaw wins the second Masters
1: that was the most amazing thing that, that he had just got back from Harvey Penick's funeral. And he said... Uh I can't, and he still talks about it. He said, I, I can't play worth a damn. I said, who cares? And I said, I'll tell you what you do. You go out there and play, and, and pretend Harvey Pennick is standing right there and watching you, and you want to look as good for him and you for Harvey Pennick. And when he won and and broke down in tears, I, I – uh, uh, Fans took over because I broke down in tears myself. It was one of the most uh, emotional things that I ever saw. I said one time, when he was playing the final round, hit this big hook at the 14th hole, and it hit the tree and it bounced back in the fairway. And Jerry said, what about that? I said, I think Harvey Pennington, he's in the gallery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How about 1987 playoff, Greg Norman loses in 86 to Jack and Larry Mice chips in.
1: Oh, that was, that was one of the most amazing things. I, I, did the, I did the playoff. In fact, that's the first time someone was on the ground. Uh, this is a, quite a story, is that Frank Chikini me on the ground for the playoff. He said, if there's a playoff. And Cliff Roberts said, no, I don't want anybody on announcers and, and down on the fairway. And he, says, uh, he said, Frank Chikini said, well, he'll, he'll do a job. He said, well, call up in here. So he calls me in, and Cliff Roberts says they want you on the ground. He says, "If you're on the ground, what kind of questions would you ask the players?" I said, "Mr. Roberts, if you came over to me with a microphone and I'm in a playoff, I'd hit you over the head with it." <laughs> and he said, "He said he can go on the ground, Frank." <laughs> but I saw that, and that was couldn't have been done in a million times. That the uh, the uh, uh, chip in by Larry Mize. Uh, it's. It was just in shock, and it looked like you know par wins, and and uh, it was one of the one of the unbelievable things of all time.
0: How about 1992? Freddie Couples wins. His roommate is in Butler Cabin putting the jacket on him.
1: That well, that, that was year. emotional too, because when they were when they were going to school, Jimmy Nance always wanted to be announcer, and and uh, Freddie Couples always talked about winning the Masters, and so they used to pretend they were interviewing in the Masters and they both got very emotional because it was like going back in time and in fact the thing about it when I was practicing all the time because I took up golf because of my handicap my stammering I'm on the stuttering foundation but but the thing about that is that when I was hitting balls it was always nothing anything else it was always this is for the U.S. Open it was oddly that I had brought that up myself
0: Last one, Mr. Venturi, obviously this one, 1986, Nicholas's win. Did you really pick Jimmy Nance up on the way back in the cart?
1: Yeah, picked him up, and I said, uh, get in the cart, son. And and he's riding back. We're going back to the compound. I said, you may do 50 more Masters, but I'll tell you right now, you'll never see a better one than this. But the thing about it is that that when you look at it, you know, of, of destiny, you know, Jack was in, in the clubhouse, had finished, and you look at where Tom Kite missed a 12-footer, Ballesteros put it in the water, Norman had a six iron to the 18th hole, and not only missed the green, he missed the gallery, and it made bogey, so, but it was still one of the greatest wins of all, all time. But you think about about uh, uh, destiny. Like in, in 60, I was in the clubhouse, and Arnold Palmer goes 3-3-3, three, three, three to uh, beat me by a shot the next year gary players in the clubhouse and he finishes 4-6 and lets player win by a shot and so i said well, how about me what did i ever do <laughs> <laughs> but those things are big because norman and i had a, a lot in common some people that have won out there people find a way to lose to let them win and there are other players that people will find ways to beat you
0: When you were on CBS, you used to give some instructional tips, which which is just a part of your background. You've written a number of books on instruction, and those little short tips would really, really help. I remember one that stuck with me that you said, I can't remember. I think I was in college, but you made the comment one time that, that when good players, they don't get out of swing. They get out of alignment and when I would my swing would mess up I'd always go back and I'd say well, put a club on the ground put check my ball position and 99 times out of 100 you were you were right on that. One.
1: Everybody everybody that I worked with, that talked with and helped with is is good players don't to... Get out of swing they get out of position. You put them back in position, and their swing comes back. and And that's the thing that Byron Nelson always said. There are two things you always have to check: alignment and ball position. And that is so true. Well, in today's game, Mr.
0: Ventura, who whose game are you following? Who do you like out there?
1: Well, I don't. I don't uh, know that that well. There's so many. There's so many great young players now and that they're all over the world and there's so many of them. It's that like, you know, that they say, well, pick a favorite and they used to ask me that when I was doing television. I said, I just want a good good tournament, a good telecast and may the best man win because if I pick one favorite, I make one friend and 40 enemies. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, let's just have a a good tournament and and the thing about it is that uh, Uh, There's been so many. uh, I mean, I mean today's players where they hit it. uh, I can't believe it. uh, What was it, uh, uh, Adam Scott or something at Colonial? I saw where when I watched a a little bit of it that uh, it was the 11th hole and it fairway was hard and downwind a little bit. He hit it 366. I mean, to me, that's a nice par four.
0: Finally, as we close, Mr. Venturi, just let the listening audience know what are you doing nowadays to uh, to fill your day.
1: Well, I'm doing. Uh, I'm just uh, just kind of taking it easy. I Hit golf balls most every morning, and then. But this is going. This has been quite a year for traveling for me because I've, I've been to. I've been to. Uh, to Washington uh, to go back there, and then I, I'm going. We, uh, we're, I'm going to uh, back there again as I leave to go back for the open, and they put me up there, and they they me if I would present the trophy, and then I'm going to Ireland to make my last trip, which I'm going over there, which I've known for many years, and have my charity over there for Down syndrome children, and then I've been asked, I've been asked if. Uh, by Tim Fincham, the commissioner, that they want me to go fly us down, my wife and I, to Australia for the President's Cup and be an honorary invitee and be there for the there, So that was going to be quite a year, someone who is retired, I'm sure, putting in a lot of a lot of miles.
0: A lot of time, but uh, there's nobody better to represent us, Mr. Venturi. We want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day. This has been a great walk down memory lane for the listeners, for Carrie and myself, and it's been one of, one of the thrills in my life talking to you personally. It's been great. Thanks so much.
1: Well, I appreciate one thing, and may I say one thing, I appreciate your compliments, and I'll tell you, it is represents, and you've said something that, that my father said. I told my father once at the dinner table, I said, Dad, I'm the best. Nobody's better than me. I'm, I'm the best. And I was going on until I ran out of accolades, and my father says, Are you through? I said, Yeah, Dad. He says, Son, when you're as good as you are, you can tell everybody. When you get really good, son, they'll tell you. And thank you for your compliments.
0: Uh-huh. Thank you, sir. Safe travels this year, and thanks so much again.
1: Have a good day. Thank you.
0: Thank you. What a great time that was for us back in June of 2011 to be able to interview this man, one of the true gentlemen in the game of golf. Timing is everything, and although he wasn't able to attend the ceremonies, Mr. Venturi was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame just a few weeks ago. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Ken's wife, Kathleen, his sons, Matt, and Tim. Well, thank you for joining us on this special episode, and we'll gather again next time when we have another episode of Golf Better at EdwinWattsGolf.com. So long, everyone.